this movie is a little bit of everybody's story. I think a lot of us see ourselves or can see ourselves in this little girl named Lucy. The end of the movie, that final scene is in the middle of the credits. She tries to get back into the wardrobe, but she can't. I think there's a lot of us that are trying to get back to or recapture an experience we once had. We're trying to get back there. And maybe the there isn't another place, like you're trying to leave Prescott. But, but for many of us, that there we're trying to get back to is an experience. It's a mindset. It's an attitude of the heart that we once had. And somewhere along the way, for reasons that are as unique as us, we lost something. Because of that thing that we've lost, it's hard to connect with the wonder of this season. I've got some friends that are a lot like Lucy that I want to introduce you to this morning. If my clicker will have some wonder. Why don't you take it over, Kelly? This, uh, this first one here uh, is my friend Tiffany. And uh, Tiffany is... Um, She's somebody who says this is her least favorite time of the year. As a young girl, her family was marked by abuse, trauma, and dysfunction. She has a hard time remembering a part of her life where she had wonder. She lost at such a young age that it's hard for her to remember what it was like. And so she says, this is my least favorite time of the year, and she's just counting on the days, not until Christmas, but until Christmas is over. The next person is Brian. You wouldn't know that Brian doesn't like Christmas. He decorates his house. He's at all of the events. He was at the Christmas tree lighting last night. He goes through all the motions. He's there for all the events, but he's kind of like James Caan's character at the end of Elf. He just mouths the words. And then there's Ed. Ed's a pastor. And he struggles with this season because he feels the pressure to, uh, to come up with something new to say. Some new angle on a story that's 2,000 years old. Some new part, some new perspective. And if he was honest, he would tell you that many years he's gone through the Christmas season without a lot of wonder. And he feels this, this angst. One little spoiler alert, my middle name is Edward. It's tough to do this season well without wonder. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go to Nashville, Tennessee for a conference about art and creativity. And I was sitting there on the first night when a young man named Justin came on stage with the help of his assistant dog. Justin is blind. And Justin told us the story of beginning to go blind at age 11 how scared he was as a young boy that his world was just going to go black. But he said, when I went blind, the lights didn't go black. He said, as a musician, all of my favorite instruments began to appear in my vision, not as clear pictures, but as colors. He told us about the picture that he could see the color of a guitar the color of a violin, the color of a piano, the color of a flute. And he described all of these wonderful images. And then he began to play the piano, a beautiful song. And he invited us to close our eyes 
and listen, maybe to experience that same thing ourselves. So I'm sitting, you know, kind of near the back in the middle of this giant auditorium with my eyes closed, listening to this Quincy Jones mentored piano player who's blind, maybe 22 years old. And as he plays, I start crying. And I'm not a big crier. Like, what's going on? And something began to awaken in me that night that I didn't even realize had died. Something began to come to life in me that I didn't even realize had gone away. It was wonder. And so I want to invite you right now, everybody in the room, those of you watching online, to close your eyes. Including those of you cynics who still have your eyes open right now. You close your eyes too. And I want you to imagine the you you were before you lost your sense of wonder. How old were you? What did you look like? What did that feeling of wonder and awe feel like then? How different are you now? You can open your eyes. See, I think that we, uh, we're far too quick to leave our imagination and wonder in the past. But if we don't connect back with that, it's going to be hard to discover that sense of wonder again. So this morning when you walked in, we literally invited you to walk through a wardrobe. To enter into a wonderland. To smell if you were here when the doors still weren't totally open all the way, to taste, to touch, to see. Not so we could say, wasn't that cool and neat and remarkable, but so that God might begin to do something in your heart to reawaken something, to open you up to the wonder of the season. Because what we've discovered, what I know, is that your relationship to wonder is connected to your relationship to God. Here's our big idea this morning. It's hard to worship Jesus without wonder. It's hard to worship Jesus without wonder. So our goal today and from now until Christmas Eve is not to awaken the wonder you have about living in Arizona's Christmas city. Our goal isn't to awaken the wonder that you have about your favorite traditions in this season, even though those are all great and wonderful. Except those of you who drink eggnog. I don't get that. (laughs) Our goal is to help you experience an encounter and a moment of worship with Jesus. And what we believe is that you won't get there if you lack wonder. Wonder is the precursor to worship. And so today, I want to share with you four wonder realities as we lay the groundwork for this series. And the first one is this, that wonder isn't a given. Wonder isn't a given. We don't all have wonder. And even if we're born with wonder, we don't all keep it. And even some 
times when we experience God, we don't always respond with wonder. In the Old Testament, we have book after book of what we call the prophets, the the record of men who spoke the future because of what God was revealing to them in the middle of a season of adversity or crisis for the people of Israel. And one of those books of prophecy, it's actually the longest by chapters, is the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah 29, God speaks to his people. He tells them what's going to come. He says, but suddenly your ruthless enemies will be crushed like the finest of dusts. Your many attackers will be driven away like chaff before the wind. Suddenly, in an instant, I, the Lord of the heavenly armies, will act for you with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and storm and consuming fire. All the nations fighting against Jerusalem will vanish like a dream. Those who are attacking her walls will vanish like a vision in the night. Stop it right there. Don't go ahead. He describes this amazing thing he's going to do for the people. All of the opposition that's facing them, he's going to destroy like that. It's going to be an amazing act. And yet, this is what he says next. Are you amazed and incredulous? Don't you believe it? And then assuming they don't, he says, then go ahead and be blind. You are stupid, but not from wine. You stagger, but not from liquor. The Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. What he's saying is that wonder isn't a given even when you experience God. Some of us go, well, you know, if I witnessed what happened in the Bible, I would believe. If God showed up in physical, tangible form, in an undeniable way, of course I would worship then that means you're better than these people. And I don't think you are. I don't think I am. I think we're the same. That for many of us, wonder is not a given. Wonder wonder isn't even present, it's absent. And, And we look at people in this world, and some people have wonder and some people don't, and it determines so many things. Like, for example, this guy right here, Thomas Edison. He's the reason we can see right now with these amazing lights. And Edison is one of the biggest failures in human history. Like he has more failures than any of us. Most of us would have given up if we'd failed as many times as him. But what did he famously say? No, I didn't fail inventing the light bulb a thousand times. I just learned a thousand ways it didn't work. That is wonder. And how many of us have endured a thousand failures and are still going? It's not because he was stronger. It's not because he was more resolute. It's because he had wonder. Wonder is a gift. It isn't a given. 
The second reality about wonder is this, that wonder erodes subtly and easily. It slips away and we don't even know it's gone. That was my experience. I realized as I was weeping in that theater that something had left my heart and was now coming back. And I go, oh, there you are. I didn't even know you left. And I I want to share a definition of wonder before we go any further. Because some of you are like, what are you talking about, Scott? Wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. Wonder is that feeling of amazement and admiration when we behold something that's beautiful or remarkable or unfamiliar. That feeling that wells up within us. And later on in Isaiah's book of his prophecy, he shares about a conversation the people of Israel have with God because they're struggling with what's not happening in their life. In Isaiah 58 verse 1, it says, Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. This is God speaking through Isaiah. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask for me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God and they ask me, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? They're doing all the right things. They're going through the motions. They're mouthing the words. But what did he say earlier in verse 29? There are people who honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And sometimes what happens is that wonder erodes subtly and easily because we're doing all the right things with all the wrong motives. We're doing all of the good things absent a heart that is truly in it. We've lost our sense of wonder. And I thought for a second we could talk about what erodes our wonder. And maybe you'll find yourself in this list. One of the things that erodes wonder is familiarity. Because you've seen it before, it is no longer unfamiliar. You watch a child do something for the very first time, and they're like, whoa, I didn't know it was going to do that. Like the ball bounces down and then goes back up. Mind blown. But once you've seen it three or four or five times, once you know it's going to happen, it no longer has wonder. This is why for many of you, this season lacks wonder. Because you're so familiar with the story. You're so familiar with the experience. There's also what I call the trifecta. There's disappointment, disillusionment, and cynicism. Some of you have had a hellacious year. You were later to Pastor Clovis last week who said he's just excited for 2019 to come because of all the pain he's been through. And it's very difficult to have wonder when you're in a place of pain. Cynics, they, they don't wonder anymore. They're too busy criticizing And all of these things become wounds in our lives that we try to protect ourselves from being hurt in those places again. And if hurt can't get in, then wonder can't get in either. Then there's pride. Good old-fashioned pride. Some of us are like, I've heard it all before. I've seen it all before. You came in the day and you crossed your arms and you say, Scott, say something I've never heard before. 
And all, and all along, while I've been talking today, you're like, yep, been there, done that, heard that. As long as that's your attitude, you'll never get to wonder. The proud never wonder. They already know. And then there's busyness. Good old-fashioned busyness. Here's the thing. The things that could inspire wonder are all around us. We're just too busy to notice. We're going so fast that we don't see the beautiful. We don't see the remarkable. We don't see the familiar. We have too much to get done. And we often remark about how busy this time of year is and how terrible it is and how horrible it is. And then we just keep going. We just keep living that, that rat race. And business isn't just a problem at Christmas time. It's a problem all year long. And then there's worry, anxiety, and fear. For some of us, this season has us filled with anything but wonder. You can't be filled with worry and be filled with wonder at the same time. And some of these things we're not in control of. Some of you are anxious and you go, I wish it would stop. But that anxiety is eroding wonder. And then finally, our last one, shame. Some of you are dealing this Christmas season with the reality of the choices you made in the past. The things that you've done that you wish you could have undone. The choices you made that you wish you could unmake. The time machine you wish you could step into and go back and change that whole thing. And so you feel this profound sense of unworthiness, that you are unlovable, that you are undeserving. And because of that, you have a hard time getting to wonder. Here's the third reality about wonder. Wonder depends more on our perspective than it does our experience. I don't want you to think that just because you're not a Thomas Edison, you can't have wonder. Like somehow his life was different than yours, therefore you can't have wonder. Some of you go, well, yes, Scott, if if you'd been through what I've been through, you would know why wonder is impossible. Wonder is not based upon your experience. Wonder is a perspective that can transcend your experience. There's this moment in the life of Jesus that I just find hilarious. I think the Bible is really ironic in weird ways. Maybe this is just how I see it. But in the book of Luke, I believe it is, chapter 5, it says, Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles. We're going to stop before we go to the next slide. Into the midst before Jesus. So I just want you to imagine right now. Look up. Everybody look up. Imagine right now a man begins to descend above you on a bed. Some of you are moving out of the way so it doesn't fall on you. But you're all watching that moment. You're not watching me, okay? This guy's being lowered down in the middle of my teaching, okay? Sermon ruined. Nothing I say you're going to remember. You just remember that moment, okay? It's an amazing moment. Jesus is teaching. The house is full. They can't get in. They break through somebody else's roof, and they lower their friend down before Jesus, okay? It's an amazing moment, okay? Let's continue. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Like, that's crazy. Like, his response is like, because of their faith up there, you down here are forgiven. It's crazy. But not to everybody. 
Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who blasphemes? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's their reaction. Not like, holy cow, you broke through the roof and lowered your friend and and you just forgave him. But that's against the rules. They all experienced the same thing. But they all didn't react with wonder. See, wonder is not based upon your experience. Wonder is based on your perspective of that experience. That's why some of you today came in and you're having very different experiences than the people sitting next to you. You're all witnessing and experiencing the same thing, but you're perceiving it differently. The memoir writer, Anonis Nin, once said, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. It's not your experience. It's the perspective you choose to take on your experience. This is why wonder is available for all of us in all experiences. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, the poet, once said, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. Wonder. The opportunity to wonder at who God is and what he's done is all around us. But for whatever reason, most of us don't take off our shoes. We miss it. And it's hard to worship that God. It's hard to worship that Jesus without wonder. That's why we're talking about wonder today. And then number four, the fourth reality that encountering Jesus can awaken wonder. So we saw the rule guys, you know, the Pharisees, the scribes saying, it's against the rules. There was a different reaction though. Later on, Jesus remarks on their kind of rule-breaking comments. And he says this, I say to you, man, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately this man who was paralyzed rose up before them and he picked up what he'd been lying down on and he went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. They chose to allow their encounter with Jesus to awaken wonder. Their perspective was, I see what's happening here. This beautiful, remarkable, unfamiliar moment. And I respond with amazement and awe. I respond with wonder. This is why for some of you, this season can be a time that you live with wonder about, but it can also be one where you don't. You can live with wonder or you can live with boredom. And we live in a world that is wonder inducing, but many of us, if we were to sum up our lives, we would use another B word other than busy. We would say bored. It's amazing that the world gets more and more amazing and the more and more of us are bored. Ravi Zacharias said that when wonder ceases, boredom and emptiness begin to stalk our existence. And how many people do you know? And how many times this year have you not felt wonder but emptiness? As mental health 
becomes a dominant conversation in our culture. As more and more people are wrestling with emptiness, depression, even suicide. Is it possible that that wonder that ceased is now being replaced by boredom and emptiness? A few years ago, we were at Christmas at my parents' house. And I'd preached through the Christmas season. And uh, I'd gone to church and heard my dad preach twice. I kind of had my fill of Christmas. We got home and we ate a bunch of uh, goodies. And we sat down, as was our tradition in our family, near the fire. And my dad read Luke 2. And our tradition in our family is we would sit down after coming home from church, read the Christmas story. And we'd talk about what it meant to us. And so we had a little bit of conversation But to be frank, I was kind of done with Christmas. And um, so my dad and my brother and I started making jokes. And we were kind of just laughing and having a good time. And um, my mom got really mad at us. And she said, well, if we're going to just goof off, then we can, you know, be done. And um, I kind of got mad at my mom that day. Mom, we're having a good time. My mom kind of teared up because she's the crier. I'm not. And I started thinking about that experience this week. I don't think it's bad to laugh at Christmas time. But there was a profound difference between my mom and I that night. I lacked wonder. And she didn't. The story had become so familiar to me that I no longer wondered about it. And I know most of you have been in church at Christmas before this year maybe many Christmases. And maybe you forgot what it was like to go through this season with wonder because you've gone through so many of these seasons without it. And my hope isn't that you just have a great Christmas and you go to all the things, the lighting, Akronite, lighting your house, driving around, getting hot cocoa. My hope is that you would have a true encounter with Jesus. And my conviction is that it's hard to worship Jesus without wonder. And I think the great scandal of Christmas in the church is that we go through this season without any wonder. And we wonder what's missing. We wonder why we're so frustrated and so disappointed. And so this year, I wonder if this might be a year where God awakens wonder in you. And so I have some questions for you to think about this morning. They're on the back of your handout. And here's the first one. I wonder what it would mean if you asked yourself, what is my current level of wonder when it comes to the Advent and Christmas season this year. To step back and go, do I even have any? Or do I have a lot? What is my current level of wonder? Number two, what if you asked yourself, what could be impacting my sense of wonder? I'm not here to blame you. Or shame you for lacking wonder. I think for some of you, there are very real reasons why you lack wonder. But until you name and identify those, you'll never get back to wonder. And so you may have to get more uncomfortable before you enter into wonder. Number three, I want you to ask yourself, what is my prayer this Advent and Christmas season? Like, What, what are you praying for? What if he said, if there's one thing I could ask God this year, this is what I want. This is the thing I want him to do specifically. And then number four, ask Jesus, what do you want to say to me this Advent and Christmas season? What do you want me to do?
you know, I have a prayer that I've been praying for you. From that moment in that auditorium that night in Nashville, Tennessee to today. And I don't know many of you. Some of you are here for the first time and we've never met. But I've been praying for you. And my prayer comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Where the prophet says, People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. My prayer isn't that you get Alexis with a red bow on top this Christmas season. And my prayer isn't that your tree is filled with presents and that every light stays on. My prayer isn't that you experience the traditions and the trappings of this season. My prayer is for those of you who 2018 has been a year of great darkness. Maybe the last few years have been a period of great darkness. And my prayer is, is that light would shine on you that you would see the light, that your eyes would be awakened to all of the wonder around you. Not so you could have a wonderful Christmas, but so you could experience Jesus and all he came to do. And you'd have a sense of wonder about him and what he's done. It's hard to worship him without wonder. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.